Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name's Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review. I'm very pleased today to welcome Chris Wong from Beckenize in Ottawa in Canada onto the podcast today. Um, this is the first time that Chris will be published on the podcast, but it's actually the second attempt at a podcast. I don't know if you remember, Chris, but we attempted a podcast probably about a year ago or, or even more, and we managed to corrupt the file and it never got published. So this is our second attempt. Uh, as a direct result of Chris's aborted previous uh, web, um, podcast, we actually record with two different systems now, Chris, you'll be pleased to know. So um, as a result of that. So welcome to the ITM View podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And thanks for having me on. And, um, you know, the second kick of the can will be uh, that much better. Yeah. <laughs> so was it probably about a year ago? Might, might have been longer than that. 18 months? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it was uh, maybe even, yeah, 18 months or two years ago. Yeah. That we uh, had last discussed. And I don't even remember really the topic, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it was around Sam, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure what we had. Uh, you know the specifics of our conversation well thank you for your time for, for, for both the time that was aborted and for this time thank you so you very um I, I don't know how we discovered each other chris i think we probably bumped into each other on linkedin or something and you've very kindly helped us with our forum and you also helped us with our conference in the u.s last year so thank you very much for that um could you give a quick introduction to you and what you do and uh, your area of specialization and what your company does? Uh, sure, sure. So uh, I'm Chris Wong. I'm a, a principal consultant at Beaconize. Um, I also own the company. So we we specialize in, in helping uh, clients figure out their software investments um, and, and to help them with proactive audit defense. Um, and the main areas that we, we tend to, to specialize in, uh, at least currently, is around uh, the process of SAM. Uh, so how do, you, uh, how do you govern your, your uh, organization? Uh, and then we, we specialize in two or three different vendors. Uh, one, probably most notably, around Oracle. Uh, we do IBM, uh, and uh, we do Microsoft. So three pretty tasty vendors to keep you busy. Yeah, exactly. There's always uh, a demand uh, for, for these vendors. Um, I've worked with many in the past uh, through, through my work experience, and we'll probably touch upon some of that. But, uh, you know, uh, these are the ones that uh, I see on a, a daily, if not weekly basis of, of clients uh, having issues around uh, how, do you, how do you govern the, the, those, those vendors um, and how do you keep a clean house and, and, and then optimize your your, your, your investment portfolio in that, those areas. So uh, I'm always keen to know from as somebody from the UK, as an enthusiast for the ITAM market, I'm always keen to know how the industry is in other countries. Uh, so first of all, we ought to say that uh, we're, we're recording this in early July and Canada has just celebrated her 150, 150th birthday. Is that right? Yeah, 150th birthday from... Uh, from uh, from separating from from uh, uh, England, so it's excellent. It, it was a good time. There was probably you know a couple hundred thousand people down in in, uh, in the nation's capital in Ottawa, and uh, I was glad to uh, 
to take part in some of those festivities. Uh, you know, a couple of pints. Uh, awesome seeing uh, the atmosphere and the enthusiasm around everything. And there was, um, you know, there was a little bit of snafu with some of the security things, but uh, over overall, it was an amazing uh, celebration for our country. Awesome. So congratulations. So can you tell me about? Um, I mean, I mean do, you, do you have much perspective beyond Canada? Have you got much experience beyond that? What, how how would you view the Canadian market for Sam? How mature do you think Sam Sam is in Canada compared to the rest of the world? What's your what's your viewpoint there? Okay, um, yeah. So so um, I do have some some experience with international markets um, based on my previous you know history with a, a large multinational. But um, right now I, I feel like the Canadian market is 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 fairly nascent. Um, it, it's Sam is picking up and license audits are picking up uh, in in this region. Um, you know, the, the market's hard in Canada because they don't tend to really know what SAM is. So it's a lot of uh, teaching uh, and, and educating, you know, the decision makers around it. But once they get it, um, they really get it, which is quite amazing. Um, so I think that the Canadian market is probably uh, fairly immature in terms of people knowing about this, this, this service and this discipline um, compared to the UK. Um, and, and, and even the, the US, I, I find that um, the US seems to have a, 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 you know, a more developed, a more mature market. Um, but that's okay, because what's nice about that, in, at least in my perspective, is that there's not a lot of people that you know, uh, do SAM and, and ITAM well in Canada. There's a few, um, but I don't think they generally tackle the Canadian market too, too much. Um, you know, you have some 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 folks here that are doing it, but uh, for the most part, it uh, it's the big shops, the Deloitte's and 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 su such as that that are, are kind of getting involved, and they tend to bring either very junior people in in to to do those kind of uh, those, those SAM services, or they bring in people from the U.S. Uh, and so we've carved out a little bit of a niche here, um, where we are able to kind of come in help organizations understand their, their, their software investments and, and uh, get them compliant and then ultimately optimized uh, so that they're you know, using their, their, their software to the maximum efficiency. So uh, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a bit, a bit here, Chris, um, and you might not expect this question, but um, I'm always curious to know this. If you're out in Ottawa and you're having, a, as you called it, a few pints, and you meet somebody from outside of IT, and they say, what do you do for a living? How on earth do you describe what you do? Yeah, so so this is an interesting point. I, I'm not, I, I don't do elevator uh, pitches very well, in, in all honesty, but um, you know, I, I, I generally talk about uh, license audits. Uh, I help people deal with their, with license audits, with understanding what they have, um, and, and, you know, Ultimately, uh, we help people save money on their software investments, um, and I think that usually resonates with, with some folks. Um, if you're talking to somebody in IT, they tend to naturally get it, but if you're talking to a marketing person or you know a business person, they don't necessarily understand uh, the nuances around SAM and all you know the process and, and that. But they do understand that IT needs to be more agile, um, and they need to reduce costs. Um, and I generally have conversations around that, and I really believe that that SAM um, and ITAM uh, help 
organizations get a better grasp under their, of their technology. And then um, le it leads to, once you have a, a governed process and a governed uh, technology stack, it leads to uh, more agile decision-making so that they can deliver value back to, say, the marketing or the business development folks or, or you know, different functions in the business. And that generally is well-received uh, with the people that I, I have conversations around this. And another thing I'm always curious to know of ITAM people is how did you actually get into this field in the first place? I was looking <laughs> at your LinkedIn profile and it looks like you have quite a varied background. How did you actually stumble and become a specialist in this area? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, to, you know, the, the honest truth is that I basically just fell into it. There was a, there's a business need, uh, well as at General Dynamics, um, to do uh, some, some rationalization of their so software portfolio. And, uh, you know, I'm always up for a challenge, so I kind of stepped into that role. But I think a lot of the previous experience, um, you know, when I, while I was at Dell around customer service and understanding process, uh, contributed to it. Um, I was at Alcatel and I redid part of their forward logistics and supply chain. Uh, and so that also added, uh, you know, additional education so that, you know, I understand how the supply chain folks function um, and then also how vendors function. So these are all kind of contributing factors and, and, and skills and education and experience that I, I've gained that allowed me to kind of tackle this, this, uh, this thing called SAM. Um, and so basically the, the, the gist of it is uh, we, ha we had a shuffle in, in General Dynamics uh, early on in my career there, uh, probably three, four months in when I was just getting my feet wet. Um, our CIO left and, and a new CIO took, took uh, reins of the, the organization and had some pretty uh, lofty uh, uh, goals in terms of budget reduction. Uh, and budget optimization, and uh, we, we formed a small Tiger team to to kind of handle that. And so I got exposure to the architecture side of, of, of technology, of IT, uh, the hardware side, and then ultimately the software side. And I really, I quite enjoyed uh, dealing with the software side of the, the, uh, the business, so I, I tend to, to gravitate towards that. And just to give you numeric values around this kind of uh, budgetary reduction, so over the course of about a year, a year and a half, two years, we, we moved uh, our operational budget from uh, $23 million down to just, just above uh, $12 million. And a large component of that uh, was with software savings. So how, this is a topic I'd like to talk to you about, Chris. So how do you go about doing those savings and how do you how do you measure that? And and if somebody's new to this topic and they're just trying to get their heads around savings, how do you go about measuring things? Let, let's say it's a completely new environment. They're new to SAM and they want to quantify the savings. How should they go about doing that? Sure, sure. So um, so so most people start uh, it, it, traditionally most most people in SAM and, and ITAM start with the the inventory side of the equation. So you have your inventory side and your supply side. Uh, you know what you're purchasing versus what what you have installed. Um, I take a very different approach to looking at your inventory. So what what you have installed, I look from the supply chain side. I take a look at you know what are the POs that you're uh, putting out on a yearly basis for maintenance. Uh, what are you buying, uh, you know, net new to meet your new, uh, you know, services that you're deploying into your business? 
And from there, I work back to your inventory. Um, and so this is a little bit different. Uh, a lot of the tool vendors and a lot of the, the folks out in, in, in ITAM tend to work from the inventory side and, and move to the, the supply side and say, you need to purchase these things. I do the opposite. I go from the supply side and I say, okay, we, we have you know, 100 licenses of this, 100 licenses of that. Um, you know, where are they deployed? Why are we over deployed? And then and, and figure out the, the, the business need for those deployments. Um, and so that's generally how I tackle the, the savings or, or the, the rationalization of, of your, your needs. And then there's always, you know, how do you quantify it? Um, so I wrote a, a blog post and, and we can link it in, in the podcast, but it basically itemizes savings into kind of three major buckets. Uh, hard savings, which are, you know, dollars you were spending that you are no longer spending, which is usually what the CFOs and the finance people like to see. Uh, you see reduction in risk, which nobody really sees except when you expose it uh, or are caught with your, you know, your pants down uh, by, by an auditor. Um, and then the soft stuff uh, around like cost avoidance. Um, and all three of these buckets, in my opinion, are really important. Um, the ones that get the most traction when you're talking to executives are the hard savings. But um, I don't want to uh, underestimate or um, you know, lose track of these, the risk and, 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 and the soft savings and the avoidance that you can use as collateral to start doing some investment in, into your SAM program uh, and to use so, so uh, just, as testimony. Can we, yeah? can we just pick up an example of each one of those? So hard saving is I've got $100,000 for a renewal coming up. It's in the budget. I need to spend it. And then suddenly I only have to spend fifty. And therefore, I've saved $50,000. Is that your idea of a hard saving? Hard saving, yeah, exactly. That is exactly a, it. A risk reduction is we did have $100,000 worth of unlicensed software. We've removed that or somehow reduced it, and therefore, we've removed that risk. So we didn't. it wasn't something that was budgeted or billed or potentially we weren't going to be charged for it, but it was a risk if an audit did happen. That's my idea of a risk reduction. Is that yours too? That is correct. Yep, and, and, then, and you can get some formulas on that as well. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a uh, it's it's undeclared liabilities on say your balance sheet if you're talking to a finance guy. What what do you mean by formulas on that? Um. So so so. Uh, well, we'll we'll link it. Uh, but I have a blog post about about how I would calculate some of some of these things. So on risk, I tend to use kind of a. a general formula of three times the license value, uh, which would be what the liability would be if you got caught by an auditor with all their fines and, and whatnot. Um, again, it's just, it's, it's a way of measuring uh, and disclosing back to your, you know, your executive team or to your internal teams on, on what uh, value and, and, and benefits you've uh, achieved for the organization. And then soft savings is I, uh, um, I've avoided a cost. What, what's a good example of that? So say you're buying, uh, you know, some licenses and it's going to cost you, your, your MSRP is, I don't know, uh, $100,000. And through negotiations or reduce, or changing your architecture to use less things, you, you're paying, you know, 50000 So that's, that's what I consider kind of an avoidance. It's, um, again, it's hard to prove these things out. Um, so that's one experience or one, one example rather. Uh, the other one is, is around efficiency. Um, and that's much harder to quantify 
than than those kind of uh, soft savings around like cost avoidance. But uh, the efficiency is also something not to be underestimated. Um, so if if you know your engineers that get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year are able to do you know two extra projects a year, I think that that is important to quantify and and uh, bring back uh, as part of the value of of you know creating agile processes in in IT. I think this, the soft savings is a tricky one because it depends on how you measure things internally as well, doesn't it? Because I, I think w one example is if I've I've got somebody's laptop back uh, that's left the company, they've left the company, I've got their laptop back and I see there's a copy of project on there. So I'll reclaim that copy of project. Um, I mean, we're talking perpetual here rather than Office 365 Cloud or whatever, but let's let's say for argument's sake it's perpetual. We've got the laptop back, we reclaim that license, and then somebody requested a perpetual license for the project, and we're able to supply that in stock rather than paying for it. That's, would you call that soft? Yeah, yeah, that's soft savings. That's kind of like your harvest process, and that will allow the business, instead of going out and buying a net new um, license, uh, it'll avoid that cost and, and you can redistribute it as long as you're following the, you know, the 90 day rule or whatever Microsoft has on project. So, right. But if you were yeah. internally charging for that, you could still charge the department for it, yet you had the license for free. So that could become a hard saving because suddenly you're bringing profit into the ITAM department. So it depends on yeah. how you quantify things. And yet the other weird one with soft savings I heard about was um, somebody was like they got a quote off of Amazon for an Adobe product, which let's say for argument's sake it was $100. And then they came to the internal SAM guy and the SAM guy said, oh, it's actually $50 if you buy it through our program, like our internal buying program. And they mm -hmm. recorded that as a saving. And I think, well, mm, that's not really, that's just knowledge, right? That's very difficult mm -hmm. to quantify that as a saving. It's a bit woolly as a saving, isn't it? Oh, for sure. So, so, so this is, um, I mean, I think you're uncovering some of the, the challenges in, in supply chain. This is this is generally what happens on the supply chain side. Um, they'll say, oh, MSRP is this. We have a negotiated deal that, you know, you pay, you know, $50 instead of $100. We're counting $50 in savings. And, and to be honest, that's not, um, I don't think that's an accurate reflection of the value uh, these things bring. But there is buckets in, in SAM that you do see soft savings. And what you need to do in, in this category is, is discloses ahead of time. Don't do it while you're, you know, running through your pro SAM program because then they're going to, you know, there's a debate on how much, what the quantity actually is, as opposed to understanding, okay, we've previously agreed, this is how we're measuring it. Um, and this is, you know, some of these are hard, some of these are soft, and some of these are avoidance. Um, and uh, you get a consensus around that. Um, before kind of saying, oh, you know, we're going to hit target X, and then there's a debate on whether you actually hit that target or not. And I guess that is down to the internal language and sort of religion that you have internally at your company about what a saving is and speaking to procurement and people like that, I guess. Sure, sure. And you always, uh, what tends to arise is you see some, some, uh, some, positive conflict between, you know, the SAM team and, 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 and the supply chain team that wants to rack up savings because there's certain targets in a large organization around this. Um, and my, my, uh, my general rule of thumb is to, to share in those and, and, and work and collaborate between the two because there's no point in, count, in P's and Q's um, between different departments and double counting things. We want to do the right thing for the organization as a whole. 
Um, so you do need to collaborate and you need to work with these different groups to, 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 to realize these savings and, and to accurately um, disclose that back to, to the powers that be. And you, you said that the Canadian market was nascent and it's on the way up and people are just discovering it perhaps. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe, maybe this isn't a problem yet, but what, what you tend to see is that people will chop away at some of the low-hanging fruit in terms of savings and then it's obviously a lot harder to, 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 to drive those savings in years three, four, five. Um, any, any experience with that? Have you, have you had, seen that as an issue? Uh, yeah. So, 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 you know, my experience with, with general dynamics was the first year we saw the, the low hanging fruit, the, the shelfware. So we got rid of, so we basically rationalized all of our purchases to say we, we only have, uh, X amount of licenses in, in whatever given vendor and, and whatever given portfolio. Uh, and we, if we weren't using them, we got rid of them. We just basically killed maintenance, uh, in year two and three, while we continued the program, it became difficult. Um, but you have to kind of think outside the box. Um, I find that a lot of, or maybe not a lot, but I, my experience with some other, uh, Sam folks that are maybe a little bit more junior or that haven't gone through these things, um, tend to count that as a win and that's all they're going to do. Um, my experience with, uh, architecture and, and, you know, setting up technology stacks as well, um, led me to figure out how to, you know, drive savings in year two and three. And, and that generally is a much more difficult task because you need to, you know, in, in re-architect how you're delivering services. Um, so some things in that area are perhaps, you know, setting up, a, uh, you know, larger clusters on VMware for your MS SQL uh, instead of having SQL on every single box that, that requires it. Um, so, but this is, this is more goes back to like TOGAF and, and like proper architecture for your, your IT uh, infrastructure. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I, I talked about collaboration amongst uh, supply chain and, and, and SAM or ITAM, uh, but there's also uh, a need to collaborate with the internal architecture folks um, while decisions are being made, before decisions are made, and, you know, even post decision making uh, so that you understand what the license liabilities are in those areas, and then you can help guide them. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I just went through a client um, uh, proactive audit or license service for, for, for a client. And we basically sh- showed them that they have spare capacity on some T5 servers. Uh, these are Oracle large, I don't know, blade servers. And they, they actually reduced their, their license uh, consumption by a significant amount by just moving them off, you know, physical servers onto these, these zones uh, on the T5s. And those are like things that you, I don't know if every SAM person would, would think uh, at the problem set like that, but that's that's generally how I approach things. Absolutely. Amen to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's uh, – I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's, it's almost a new a new job title within the architecture team. Is it, it's a cost architect or, a, or a, um, some way of monitoring the effectiveness or cost of – architecture and I'm not sure that's always been front of mind in the past but it's certainly becoming more of a case in the future mm-hmm. so um, another question I have for you Chris and, or, or rather something I wanted to pick your brains about is that we've been running a, a free uh, maturity assessment on the iCham review I, I guess it's probably been on the site for maybe a year or so and there's been a, a few hundred people go through it and, and assess the maturity of your of their organization 
against the 12 box model, which for those that have not heard about that is basically just a, a an ITAM maturity model to say, what are all the things we need to do in order to do ITAM properly? And I was thinking about extending that to include a risk assessment and also um, a, a business case um, justification and almost doing an automatic business plan generator. So you plug in a few numbers from your environment and it will spit out the sort of potential cost savings by doing ITAM properly. So um, it might be slightly crude way of doing it, but if you were with a new client, what sort of numbers, and they were looking to say, look, we, we, we need to justify this internally. We need to sort of put this to the senior management board before they sign it off. What sort of numbers would be your golden numbers that you'd ask for from a client to help them justify a business case? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think so, so. So with the caveat that that every organization is different, everyone is in different levels of maturity in this in this discipline. Um, I think it generally you can you can anticipate. Um, you know, somewhere between 15 and 30% and savings on your, your software OPEX. So what you're distributing every year or every few years on software uh, by getting a well-governed uh, well and, and mature SAM process or ITAM process. Um, but again, I, I am a fan of, of, uh, of creating a business case around this, but you need to do it in a sort of agile and, and iterative manner. Um, where you start to measure or take guesstimates uh, and wags at, at what the savings will be. Um, and you can do that without a tool. Um, I'm not saying you don't need a tool, but um, for, for instance, uh, most organizations that I deal with don't actually know what they're, you know, they're distributing uh, in terms of financial, financially uh, on software per month or per year or per quarter. And, once you understand that, then you can talk about, you know, what your savings potentially could be, right? You do a little bit of a, uh, a recon on, you know, one particular vendor or one particular uh, software title. Say, okay, we're going to do an estimate on project. We have 100 licenses. We'll do an inventory. Um, we see that 80, per, uh, 80 licenses are out there. Um, you know, does that mean that we're going to see 20% savings on all licenses? No, but it's a better estimate than just throwing a number up on a board, right? And so I think approaching, you know, these uh, these, these ROI kind of calculations in an iterative manner is 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 probably the best practice uh, that I could suggest. Um, but again, before we get to the ROI, we need to figure out what a SAM or ITAM pro program is aiming to do. Um, we, at least in Canada, um, the reason why we get involved in, in, in ITAM and SAM projects isn't necessarily for cost savings. They're kind of a, a secondary value. Ten, we tend to get called in when there's an audit or a potential audit on the books. And, you know, either the, the CISO or um, the finance guys are pretty, uh, um, maybe not scared, but they're, they're worried uh, on the risks uh, associated with that. So when you're talking about adding an, an extra box to the 12 box model, I guess that would make it a 13 or 14 box model. Um, I think risk assessment's a really important one um, and it, it, it shouldn't be understated. Um, I think it's very important and I think it depends on who you're talking to when you're, you're, you're talking about those risks because IT will see risks in terms of performance values, 
as opposed to when you talk about finance or to the finance guys, they're talking about in dollars and cents. So based on what you've said so far, Chris, uh, and th th this is what we used to do historically at the ITM view the consulting anyways, is you would ask for uh, total software spend per, per annum. And that sh shouldn't be too difficult to assess for most companies by going to procurement and say, how much did we spend on software maintenance last year? Mm -hmm. um, and then you could do a back of fag packet, 15% or 30% saving on that um, would be a, a sort of very early estimate of potential savings. Mm -hmm. And then you'd, in terms of risk assessment, I guess you'd ask as well, I mean, you mentioned Oracle, IBM, Microsoft as your specializations. I'd ask what are their major vendors as well, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So you, so, so. You know, if you want to look at a process for this, I tend to look at software spend. I categorize it from the, your top publisher to your low, or you know, your smallest publisher in terms of value that the business go or is spending. And then, basically, you would go tackle those uh, per publisher. That's one approach, um, and that yields some 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 great uh, return on investment uh, initially. But then, you know, once you've gone through that. You have to actually then look at your technology stacks, right? Like, what are you using for SQL? Are you all on Oracle? Are you all on MSSQL? You know, are you using DB2? And that I think that's an, an extra level. Um, that's more advanced, I suppose, than than just you know doing a publisher by publisher. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for you know uh, to create a business case, I think looking at your publisher spends is um, a great first approach. Do a uh, a litmus test or a, you know a, a small test on one of their titles for risk, uh, for hard savings and for for cost avoidance potential, uh, and and throw those up on a board and see who challenges you. Yeah, and I think um, it, it's it's obviously it's very not easy, but it's very straightforward to give somebody a business case for Sam when they've just been audited, right? If they've just been fined a million million dollars, then it's quite compelling to do something about it. But if they haven't been audited, um, I mean, we did some research with the campaign clear licensing that said, I think the average, the average audit took seven months and 200 working days. What is, how would you position that somebody that hasn't been audited quantify the risk? Um, so, so I think there's, there's a few buckets that you need to look at. What is the effort required to, to, to fulfill this audit? If it should should take place, what is the risk and liability of 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 you know not doing it? Um, I have a little bit of a background in finance. Uh, you know, I did a business degree, so for for me, I, I I like to look at the different options. You know, if we go status quo, what is the maximum liabilities involved in this? And that tends to be a very large number because you just you know there's a lot of known unknowns and uh, unknown unknowns uh, involved there. Um, and then you generate, you know, a light audit would be, you know, I don't know, maybe Adobe or Microsoft, uh, and that would yield X amount of liability. And then, you know, if you take one of the more prolific auditing uh, entities, such as Oracle or potentially IBM, um, you know, that's, you know, what it, the, the picture will look like. And so when you build those, those scenarios out, um, that'll help uh, give credence to you know, doing something to cause action in the business around these topics. Right. Um, you're absolutely right in terms of known and unknowns. I guess the, the process of putting a good SAM process in place is discovering all of those unknowns, isn't it? 
which might which some of which might unfold savings some of which might create lots of risk that you didn't know about before but at least you've identified it mm -hmm. it also tends to um cause some 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 uh people problems in that uh you know say a dba doesn't know that they've mistakenly mislicensed something they get their backs up a little bit and so we you need to be cognizant of that when you're going into these conversations and to not place blame on you know the people that are trying to do the best they can and they just don't know licensing as you and i know is very complicated you know they don't make these things very easy and and hopefully with the campaign for clear licensing we get to a point where you know everyone knows what the stakes are when you install something or you, you use something but unfortunately you know, in the, at least in the case of uh, Oracle, you have, you have no idea whether some things are being used or not. It's just, it's just a matter of, oh, I don't know, it was installed and somebody, you know, clicked on something. Uh-oh. Um, and that's not always super controllable uh, from, from the accountable uh, people, from, for the people accountable for those particular stacks. Um, and so we need to be cognizant and we need to build consensus and, and, and collaboration with them to, um, to help drive, you know, the savings, but also help drive consistency in their their area of practice. So, final question for you, Chris, is if you're with your experience with Oracle, IBM, and Microsoft, and, and let's say that all of those are in the data center, just for argument's sake, what's mm -hmm. the one improvement, process improvement, or way that a company can improve to manage those three vendors, based on on your experience with how people deal with it at the moment? What would you recommend that pe one thing people do to, to make their estates more healthy in terms of those three vendors? Um, I think education. I think educate your, your folks that are managing those particular vendors or, or publishers uh, and those particular technology stacks on the licensing. I think, you know, we see, or at least I see a lot where DBAs are great at, you know, optimizing databases, but they don't really know, or maybe they don't care about the licensing implications. Uh, and once they get a, uh, an understanding or uh, some, some, some information around it, they can go out and change the world for, for that organization, but they don't tend to know, right? They're, they're, they're burdened a lot with the, you know, the day-to-day -day operation of, of, you know, optimizing and running and maintaining, you know, databases for, in this example. Um, but once you show them, you know, this is how it's licensed, these are the implications, this is what you can do, what, this is what you can't do, they tend to... Um, I don't want to say automatically, but uh, they, they tend to be more um, cognizant. And then when, they, when they're doing their day-to-day their -day tasks, they tend to avoid doing some, some, some uh, you know, things that would cause compliance issues. Um, and so I think education is important. And you know, I want to commend you on, on you know, the 12-box model. Uh, and I know that you're putting out this, uh, this new product called Lisa, um, where I think these are things that will help lead to better governance of your software and, 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 and hardware uh, in organizations and will help see tangible savings for, for those organizations that embark on that, that journey. Cool, thank you, Chris. Um, well, thank you very much for joining the iChat Review podcast. I hope uh, we see you soon on our travels with the iChat Review. And uh, maybe who knows? We might have an event in Canada at some point, and we can come and we can all come to your place. Well, that'd be fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time and for listening to me. Cool. Okay. Thanks very much, Chris. All right, cheers. <laughs>